0: From beach towels to tea towels, and from mugs to water bottles, the TNT shop has it all. Browse our shop now at tntradio.live. The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk, TNT Radio. Is it weird for a grown man to say daddy's back?
1: Seems kinda weird for a grown man to say daddy's back. I don't care. Daddy's back, baby! 98 out of 99 counties. He pulled so many people that the mainstream media had to shelve their planned storyline of the weather put them over the top. It was it was the weather. Nikki's Nikki's vote, voters melted and Ron's got stuck in a snowbank and only Trump voters could get to the caucuses. No, no, this was an overwhelming victory. The preceding record was 43% for W. 51%? Come on, get out of here. To get 51% of any state to agree about anything, oh, but chamber is only 4% of the total number of islands, It doesn't matter. If we were to say, if we were to go by percentage of people voting, U.S. has an abysmal record in that regard. And that's actually one of the things about this country that I've been most ashamed in my lifetime is our low voter turnout. But then I remember what George Carlin said. George Carlin said, the average IQ is 100. Think of how stupid the person with an IQ of 100 is. They can only get a job at the DMV or the Social Security Administration or some other government agency. And then realize that half the people are stupider than that. So there is that. However, exercising our franchise is our civic duty. We've gotten away from duty. The left loves to focus on rights, my rights, my rights. But they forget that rights come with responsibilities. And one of our responsibilities is to vote. And I've always said to people, did you vote? And they say, no. And I said, then I don't want to hear your complaints. If you didn't vote, you don't have a right to complain. You know, go talk to the hand, go sell it down the road. But 98 out of 99 counties, and it was 99 counties, but somehow they pulled out, they pulled one county away from him, is an overwhelming victory. And one of the things we've gotten away from in this country is requiring competency in order to hand out graduate degrees. Look at one president, Barry Sotaro. He admitted to basically being a dope head at Occidental College, which isn't very widely respected in academic circles. And somehow he was able to transfer from Occidental to Columbia. That doesn't happen. And then he got a degree at Columbia, despite not having taken two of the courses that are required of all political science majors. And that's according to the chair of the department that taught those classes. No conservative he, he said, I don't remember this man. And he wasn't in my classes. And he needed to be if he was to get a diploma in political science from Columbia College. Similarly, Wayne Allen Root reports that none of his classmates remember him being there. And you'd think, especially in a hard left school like Columbia, that students would be, even if they passed him in the hallway once, telling stories about their relationship with the future president. No, none of those things happened. And there he, he, all of a sudden, he gets into Harvard Law School over someone who had solid grades in the sciences, and a perfect score in the LSAT. Did Barry Satoro even take the LSAT? If he did, I can guarantee you he didn't get a perfect score. And then despite not having the grades to make the law review and not having submitted an essay to write onto the law review, suddenly he ends up on the law review in his second year. And despite not having done the work that one on the law review does, namely writing a case note in the second year, a, a brief one paragraph summarization of a, a case that addresses a developing point of law. He ended up being president of the Harvard Law Review. His entire career smacks of elitism, entitalism, nepotism, and being elevated, not earning based on achievement and merit, but simply being handed. And that's a big problem in our universities today. They're diploma mills for the elites. And with DEI, they're diploma mills for people that have, at best, questionable academic capacity. It was a big question among Black students when I was in college 40 years ago. They would ask each other, did you check the box? Meaning, did you say you were Black in order to get in? It was a point of pride back then not to have checked the box, to have gotten in on your merit. What happened to that? Well, what happened to that is the reason why we have fungal fruiting bodies like the talking mushroom, Karun Jean-Pierre, behind the lectern in the White House press room. The biggest lie over the past three years hasn't been that the 2020 election was the safest and most secure in history. That was the second biggest lie the biggest lie was that Joe Biden being put into office through ledger domain and shenanigans meant that the grown-ups were back in charge I saw a great montage over the weekend somebody had taken all the clips of leftists saying that phrase the grown-ups are now back in charge the grown-ups are in charge the grown-ups are in charge charge once again no we had a grown-up in charge his name was Donald Trump unfortunately He was backstabbed in his own administration by supposed republicans self-proclaimed republicans who were anything but like james comey who sniggered at the fact that he was able to dupe third uh, three-star general lieutenant general michael flynn into attending a meeting without an attorney when, when flynn thought he was meeting with a colleague didn't realize he was meeting with a viper and ended up having to resign a week later people like vice president pence people in the west wing that actively worked against the president i have stories i have stories i can't tell you someday i'll tell you but i have stories of people in the west wing actively working against the president sometimes to his face that can't happen again if we are fortunate enough and blessed enough for the president to survive this coming year not politically but physically you know what i'm saying he has to do better with his appointments we cannot have nikki haley as a vice president no just no never nikki All of her support came from Democrats, all of her funding comes from Democrats. She herself said that Hillary Clinton inspired her to get into politics and then she had to figure out whether she was a Republican or a Democrat. She has no core beliefs. She's definitely not America first. And she will do everything in her power to subvert a second Trump administration. We cannot let the barbarians continue to live inside the gates. It's got to end. I'm Timothy Shea. This is The Reckoning. If you missed your favorite TV show or interview, simply listen back when you want, wherever you want. Just visit episodes on the TNT website. We're also on all the major podcast platforms, including Apple, Google, Spotify, Amazon, Podbean, iHeart, and TuneIn. You can even watch us on the Rumble app on Roku. Now there's no reason to miss out on anything on today's news talk, TNT
0: your voice heard here
2: the government needs to step up and do its job
0: today's news talk radio tnt
2: this week in
1: Chicago some Tesla drivers learned the hard way about how cold weather affects batteries as public charging stations became car graveyards after scores of electric vehicles failed to charge properly if at all during below freezing temps highlighting a major problem with the world's plans to phase out gas-powered autos. Here with the story, joining me now is TNT News Producer Adam Clark, a.k.a. Ruckus.
3: Thanks, Timothy. Oh, yes. Uh, The the year is young. Uh, It's only two weeks into 2024. And this one is probably going to make my highlight reel at the end of this year, if we make it that far. This is a good one. Uh, As uh, Midwest winter deep freeze returns after several years of warmer temperatures, electric vehicles are turning into giant frozen bricks. And the freezing temps are revealing a major vulnerability in EV technology. Many Chicago area tech. Tesla and other EV users are discovering the biggest drawback in eschewing gas-powered vehicles as the temperatures plummet and their batteries freeze up, sapping their power. That's what happens, people. Uh, The scenes at the city's charging stations were highlighted by the media because a long line of dead Teslas was seen parked in the swirling, angry winter winds as desperate owners tried to juice them back up often with limited success. At a charging station in the Chicago suburb of Evergreen Park, for instance, Tesla driver Brandon Wellborn told CBS News that he had been waiting for five hours and still had not even gotten to a charging stall. He said, quote, I've been here for over five hours at this point, and I still have not gotten to charge my car. He added that the severe cold was making charge ups more than twice as long as normal. Quote, a charge that should take 45 minutes is taking two hours, end quote. Meanwhile, a report from WLFD-TV about the Chicago suburb of Oak Park summed up the situation in dire terms. It stated, quote, public charging stations have turned into car cars graveyards over the past couple of days end quote at an oak park charging station tesla owner chalice Mizell told wfld tv quote this is crazy it's a disaster seriously end quote another driver noted that the cold had prevented his vehicle from even taking a charge <laughs> tesla owner tyler beard told wfld quote nothing no juice Still on zero percent. And this is like three hours being out here after being out here three hours yesterday, end quote. Yet another Tesla driver was thoroughly disgusted by the whole situation. He told uh, WFLD he was unnamed, quote, we got a bunch of dead robots out here, end quote. That, that, I need that on a T-shirt. Uh, CBS even noted that some drivers gave up and simply had their cars towed away from the charging station. I love it. Uh, Mark Billick of the Chicago Auto Trade Association tried to excuse away the frustrations of cars that would not charge because of the deep freeze. He noted that the drivers, it's their fault, you see, they needed to hit the quote-unquote preconditioning button to warm a battery enough so it can take a charge in frigid temperatures. Billick told WFLD, quote, like any new technology, there's a learning curve for people, end quote. Right. Uh, the problem is the preconditioning preconditioning feature needs power to operate. And if the car is completely sapped out, it's not going to work. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, what, a, what a learning curve. Uh, it, it seems that the learning curve... Uh, finds uh, these drivers are learning that the EV doesn't work at all in the winter in Chicago, Timothy. Uh, But this does not bode well for uh, the rest of the world if uh, one day we're faced with, oh, you can't even buy a gas-powered car now, can you? Because they're illegal. What do you do now? (laughs) Well, that's exactly
1: right. And that's what we're facing. We've already reported on this show that major reinsurance companies are already running Uh, test scenarios where they do not reinsure motor vehicle uh, insurance policies if it's with an internal combustion engine that's one way another thing that they're looking at is for states not to register uh, vehicles with traditional powered vehicles Uh, to this adam first of all we need to have little musical segments to introduce these stories right i mean tonight's Musical interlude could be a riff on the Beatles. It could be, baby, won't you charge my car, right? That would add a lot to these stories. I am cursed, as I keep (laughs) emphasizing, with a background in science. I spent a lot of hours in class, in lab, uh, reading books, doing the research. And 30 years ago, I was doing work for a major British battery company. And People don't realize that battery technology is chemistry. It's a chemical reaction. It's an electrochemical reaction. The reason a battery is able to store charge is because of a charge gradient that is created with various chemicals inside the battery case. It's not a black box and it's not magic inside there, it's chemistry. And one of the things about the chemistry is that it doesn't go at cold temperatures. Everybody knows this. Batteries always run down more in the cold than they do in the summer. In fact, the greatest scam of all time advertising scam was the Sears diehard battery ad from the 70s. We're here at International Falls, North uh, Minnesota, where the world's lowest temperatures have been recorded. It's minus four outside, and this battery encased in a block of ice, right? That's the whole point. Ice is an insulator. That battery wasn't experiencing minus four temperatures. That battery was experiencing 32 degree temperatures. And as we all know, batteries have absolutely no problem starting a car in 32 degree temperatures if they're properly charged. But the problem here goes beyond weather, it goes beyond temperature. I was talking to a friend that owns a truck and a towing company. Uh, earlier this week. And he said that a couple weeks ago, when the weather was actually pretty clement here, it was in the 50s, he got called out to one of our highways to pick up an EV. Didn't say what kind it was, so I can't slam any particular brand. And he puts it on the bed and the driver gets into the cab with him and off they go in search of the charging station on the man's iPhone app. Oh, there's a charging station there. So they get there and there wasn't a charging station there. It just didn't exist. It was on the app and it wasn't there in real life. So then they go to the next one and oh, he had this kind of charging uh, connector. And that charging station took the other kind of connector, So he couldn't charge his car there. He, He ended up driving around for two hours. The guy still didn't have a charge. And finally, my friend said, listen, I'm not a taxi service here. I got other jobs. I'll tell you where you want me to go, but we're not going to keep driving around looking for a place for you to plug in your toy. Because that's what these cars are. They're toys. Neat technology. I said before, I'm a gadget guy. I love the technology. I think they're cool. They really look cool. Some of these cars, especially the Teslas, very futuristic. Even the cabin inside is, is pretty cool. But it's not a sustainable technology. It's not a technology that can be the bedrock of our economy. It's absolutely absurd for people to think so, which gets back to my opening when I referenced George Carlin saying, imagine that, you know, realize that half the people in the country are stupider than the people with average IQs.
3: And and those are the buyers of the EVs apparently, Timothy.
1: Hey, you can have all the graduate degrees you want, but if you think an EV is going to be your primary Uh, mode of transportation in the northern climes maybe you're maybe you didn't get that degree by intellectual rigor at least or maybe the degree isn't in in the sciences or even in in critical thinking
3: you must be at least this intelligent to uh not drive. purchase this vehicle
1: yeah (laughs) i love it thanks for a great story adam you're listening to the reckoning on tnt radio TNT's Jeremy Nell. Nice comment here from Rebecca. She says the youngest people um, I work with are a bit more mature, but their interactions with the public is stifled. And she's referring to the excessive use of cell phones and social media and how it's making them so antisocial, also. The business is open six days a week. One of his staff members formally requested that they shouldn't, you know, that they could they be given permission. Not to have to work on Wednesdays so that they could help at the dog shelter. Now, as you know, I'm a dog lover. I have hunting dogs. I've got dogs coming out of my ears, my Malinois, and this dog, this Malinois, is bright even by Malinois standards. She can do crossword puzzles. Is lying under my desk at the moment feeling sorry for herself because she's just come on heat for the first time and she's completely bewildered. She doesn't know why she's bleeding to death. It's not about whether it's a good or a bad thing to work at animal shelters. That's a delightful thing. It's a noble thing to do. But who in their right minds goes to their boss and says, would you mind? I'd rather not work on Wednesdays if it's OK,
0: because I've got other priorities in a, in a town <laughs> down the road. Jeremy Nell on today's News Talk TNT. When you can point me to an industry, to a platform, that reaches 250 million people a month, virtually nine out of 10 Americans,
2: that's real, that's substantive, that's important. And that reach and that touch point and that daily reinforcement, it's an amazing
0: place to be able to communicate messages. That's massive. To find out more, go to tntradio.live. Are we on the air? Am I on the
1: air? You're on the air. On the air 24 7, your news talk giant, ENT. Megan S. Smith holds a master's degree in biology with a thesis in molecular genetics. She currently works as a documentary filmmaker and freelance investigative journalist in the areas of science and health. Smith was the first to report on the inaccuracy of Lyme disease testing for the Washington Post and the government's gross underreporting of this epidemic for her local paper. In 2016, Megan founded Waymark Productions, a company dedicated to bettering the lives of those with health afflictions. Prior to that, she worked consecutive decades as a screenwriter, a Capitol Hill lobbyist for renewable energy, and a stage performer and recording artist. Smith wrote, produced, and directed her first short documentary, Boobs, The War on Women's Breasts, which garnered International Film Festival Awards. Starting October 2020, Smith's feature film by the same name was distributed by Los Angeles-based Cinema Libre Studio. The film looks into different breast cancer screening tests for women. Megan joins us tonight to discuss her second film, which she also wrote, produced and directed, entitled A New Standard of Care Alternative Cancer Therapies. It examines non-conventional cancer therapies. The film is dedicated to her late husband who passed away of cancer in 2009. I'd like to welcome to The Reckoning for the first time, Megan Smith.
2: Hello. Hi, Timothy. Thanks for
1: having me. My pleasure, Megan. We share a educational background. I was in a doctoral program in biology and looked down the road and realized I didn't want to spend the rest of my life either stuck in a lab doing work that I probably wouldn't feel comfortable doing, and at the same time, scrambling for grants and playing Mother May I. So I went into business. I didn't. I didn't stick it out for my master's. So good on you for sticking it out <laughs> and getting the degree. Uh, I found it's funny because I found that uh, my background in science has helped me tremendously in the various jobs I've had. And even though in some of them a PhD was seen as the uh, standard of entry, the, the admission ticket. Um, really, it was more of an ego thing than an actual requirement, the doctoral research being such a narrow field. Have you found the same thing that your background in biology has given you the ability to to see around corners and to see through all the BS that the government is spewing at us?
2: Absolutely. I, I feel like this whole journey, all of my like my lobbying instincts and um, my I was an investigative reporter and screenwriter before I started becoming a this documentary filmmaking business. And of course, I'm using my master's in science quite a bit because I'm having to delve into the medical literature, which I don't think otherwise I could really even begin to comprehend. A lot of it's very, <laughs> you know, the intricacies I'm able to understand a lot more than probably a layman. So it's come in very handy.
1: Absolutely. It's what tipped me off. I I realized we were up against something that wasn't medical very early on in the COVID scandemic when the evening news kept breathlessly reporting the R naught value, the R naught value. And I was telling people, well, the R naught value is a measure of how many people got sick out of how many people got exposed. We don't have a test to determine that the people who are sick are sick from this virus. And we have absolutely no idea what the denominator is, how many people were exposed. So it's just a made up number. They're pushing fear. And you could see from March, 2020, that we were in kind of a bizarro world that was anti-science and the people that were actually coming out and trying to explain the real science, uh, why PCR tests weren't appropriate to be using for diagnostic purposes, why the mod RNA technology was gonna make people sick. I mean, I predicted most of the side effects we've seen in June of 2020, I'm sure you were out there with your background in, in molecular genetics as well, uh, it's it's both a blessing and a curse sometimes because people are believing the liars are not believing the people that are trying to protect them from the liars.
2: Yeah, I, w- I was trying to warn a lot of my friends. I said, I'm not sure that this is a good idea. And people knew that I had a master's in science, so they were calling me up. And sure enough, many of them got injured. Um, so I medical industry is really good at skewing statistics and using terminology that people don't understand. And that's how they've gotten away with um, this is kind of interesting. Two of the top five medical journalists, two of their editors have come out. One has said about 50% of the medical literature is fraudulent. And another one said, based on that, you can't even t- trust your own doctor. And that that's very telling. I mean, especially evidence-based medicine. If they have that much fraud in the research because of what's going on in academia and the payola and the revolving door with the government... Um, it's really take medicine down a really awful path and they're getting away with it. We need to wake up.
1: (laughs) They really are getting away with it. People like Fauci, Burks, et cetera, need to be sent to prison. Burks testified last week that, well, we didn't really lie, but we didn't have evidence that the vaccine was going to uh, protect people from getting the, the virus or from transmitting it. But it was hoped. It was hoped. And so Jim George said, so so you weren't telling the truth. You were relying on either a guess at best or or at worst hope. Is that what you're telling us? I mean, how these people aren't in prison already shows us how sick the system really is,
2: yeah, I think it's going to take everyone needs to just wake up. Um, I think slowly things are changing. The m- medical literature is changing. Finally, the truth is starting to come out very slowly. Um, but I think they really went, I think they they bit off too much with this mRNA vaccine thing. And I think it's, it's biting them in the in the rear end now, pardon me.
1: <laughs> yeah, they really got over their skis. And I want to talk about one of the big uh, outcomes of that after the news. You're listening to The Reckoning
0: on TNT Radio. TNTradio.live.
2: This station, the first to broadcast. Breaking news.
0: TNT Radio News. For TNT, this is
3: James O'Neill. The Islamic Revolutionary Guard Corps has it used ballistic missiles against an ISIS base in Syria and a stronghold of the Israeli spy service Mossad in Iraq on Monday, in retaliation for recent terrorist bombings in Iran. After achieving a commanding win in the Iowa caucuses,
1: former President Donald Trump called for unity within the Republican Party to reclaim the country from President Joe Biden in the upcoming general election. North Korea has decided to abandon efforts for peaceful reunification with South Korea.
0: We're the pin-up boys and poster girls for free speech. We just don't look as impressive as Vladimir Putin shirtless on a horse. Yeah. 24-7, 365. We never stop sifting fact from fiction, misinformation from the truth, from government overreach to the latest on mandates, big tech censorship to propaganda gone mad. Listen to TNT Radio and get the news and views direct from our expert presenters and commentators. Anywhere you go, ask letter or Google to play TNT radio or download the TNT radio app for free from the app store or Google play today's news talk this is TNT radio
1: Megan we refer to a collection of diseases under the rubric of cancer cancer isn't a disease it's it's a number of different diseases it manifests differently in different organs it has different mechanisms of action and ultimately it will lead to death through different uh, pathways Uh, but Cancer is something that's very real. My brother had leukemia. I've lost several friends to breast cancer, to brain cancer, to pancreatic cancer, to liver cancer. My grandfather died of liver cancer. So these are very real diseases. So when we're talking about cancer now, it's not that it's not that cancer is caused, for example, by these mod RNA vaccines, because there are a number of causes. Some are environmental. Lung cancer is, there is a high correlation between the lifetime of smoking cigarettes and dying of lung cancer, as my poor mother did. There are genetic predispositions with the BRAC1 breast cancer uh, gene, which ran through my father's whole family and took my grandmother and all of his sisters. And my own sister had breast cancer as a result. So I, I just wanted to put that context so people understand that when we're talking about what's going on with cancer now, it, it's not to diminish the severity of cancer however it manifests and it's not to imply that it's a single causation agent or conversely that there's a magic bullet that will take it completely away you know your husband passed in 2009 from cancer and you, you have my condolences for that mm-hmm. i think people are starting to realize though how is we increasingly toxify our environment, as we increasingly have uh, habits, eating habits that aren't healthy, that we're predisposing ourselves to cancers. But now with these mod RNA injections, there's something brand new happening, isn't there?
2: Yes. And, uh, I, you know, the, um, cancer is an inflammatory process. All chronic diseases are. And the mRNA vaccine and actually COVID itself induce an inflammatory process. So you're setting yourself up for all all kinds of chronic diseases. And, you know, this has been widely reported now in the literature and cancer is one of them. I have so many friends now and I have six friends or acquaintances in stage four cancer, brain cancers, like you said, three or four of them in brain cancers. I mean, it's crazy what's going on. Um, so just be aware that you got to get this inflammation out of your body. Sugar does create inflammation. You got to change your diet, detox. And my film talks about all of this. It kind of walks you through what the doctors are talking about. Excuse me. They, I I found that a lot of these doctors have, um, a whole bunch of things that they like Dr. Brzezinski down in Houston, Texas may have a silver bullet called anti-neoplastins, um, but basically, and the, the Rife machine, I don't know if you know what the Rife machine yes. is. It's electric mm-hmm. medicine. That one, I mean, I've seen that cure cancers. Um, otherwise, it's a protocol of vitamin C or the, and a lot of them use that. And then laetril might be another one, but you can only use that in, in basically in Mexico. <laughs> um, they're making a lot of these things illegal or hard to get their a hold of. But, um, you know, the Mexican clinics are still pretty much open to being able to use all kinds of things. And so it's usually a protocol, but they definitely drill in on nutrition and detoxing your body. And if you don't get that sugar load down in your bloodstream, it's just feeding the cancer. And anybody who tells you it's not is just, you know, lying basically. Yeah, they're lying. <laughs> I read a
1: great I read a great book, I believe it was by John T. Malloy entitled Sugar Blues back in the 1980s that was warning of part of this. And, and one of the reasons why so many people have stage four cancer is it went stage four like that. These doctors are reporting what they're calling turbo cancers. I had one friend whose daughter had to have an ovary removed because the tumor that grew around it had tentacles, which her doctor had never seen before. And the the tentacles of this tumor completely wrapped around the ovary and the fallopian tube. And she had to have uh, those uh, removed surgically. Our body, the mod RNA injections have created what has been reported as functional HIV, that our immune system has suppressed. The T-cells have been attacked. They're no longer able to weed out uh, cancerous cells, which occur naturally all the time. We have cancerous cells arise in our bodies all the time, but usually our immune system is able to zap them. And now, because people's immune systems are compromised with these injections, that's not happening. And these cancers are getting a foothold, whereas otherwise they wouldn't. And they're accelerating to a severity much more rapidly than in previous years
2: yeah these spike proteins i mean i i I wondered why they took the spike protein of the whole virus why did they take that to amplify that and put that into the patient i thought that was that was kind of telling um i don't know if it would have worked without the spike proteins my guess is it might have um but they're causing they're wreaking all the havoc so we just have to stay on top of you know being as anti-inflammatory in our diet and exercise and all the things we should be doing that a lot of us don't do (laughs) well this is how cynical i am
1: this is how cynical i am because you're absolutely right they could have just put the genes for the protein coat in there and gotten the immune response i think they put the spike protein in there because they knew that the spike protein was the inflammatory element because this was a lab-created virus and that Mm -hmm. by having the spike protein genes in the mod rna injections they could say, "Well, no, you get you get the same amount of inflammation from the virus itself," which is, is largely true. But why why take the agent in the virus, as you said, that's causing the inflammation, and put it into the injection? I, I think there might have been uh, a reason for that. Again, whether that's a conspiracy theory, I don't know. I don't. There's no conspiracy. It's just something that occurred to me. Whether it's paranoid, I don't know. I I, I always hark- harken back to Paul Harvey's great essay in the 1960s about if I were the devil, right? If I were the devil, I would do this, this, and this. If I were the devil, what would I have done differently than what our government is doing, right? And, and so taking that template, I say, if you wanted to destroy the doctor-patient relationship, if you wanted to destroy people's faith in the government, people's faith in big pharma, people's faith in their church, people's faith in each other, What would you do differently than what the government and big pharma did under COVID?
2: I think they, I think they did it just right. (laughs) Just everything you just live out. Um, It just, none of it makes sense. I mean, that's why if you just look at it on its, you know, face value, it's just, um, and the, the, also the spike proteins, as you know, also morph, that's where all the mutations happen and. And so they're chasing it with these vaccines that can never catch up because it's morphing so fast into these different variants. You know, again, it's another reason not to use that part of the, you know, protein to amplify to put into people. It makes no sense. So
4: sometimes you
2: just have to conclude what what you have to conclude, unfortunately. Yeah, 30, 40 years
1: ago, everybody used to say, "Ah, we could put a man on the moon, but we can't get a a vaccine for the common cold. Well, yeah, because coronavirus is a family, which caused 60 percent of the common colds. are are so mutable that you can never get a virus for the exact or a a vaccine for the exact virus that people are facing. And yet here we are all of a sudden being told that, no, not only will this work, but you have to do it or you're going to lose your job. You're going to have to leave the military. You can't come to school. It's really gotten Orwellian very fast, hasn't it?
2: Yeah, it has. As soon as I heard that it it was the coronavirus the SARS coronavirus, I I just broke down and started crying because I said this thing's never going to go away. We're stuck yeah. with this thing. So it's I'm it's actually
1: so- happy. Happy as ba- as bad as it was, and really, I think most of the deaths came from other causes, and they were attributed to COVID, or they came from the hospital treatments, the remdesivir, the ventilators, etc. Which is how my MAGA Institute partner, Brooke McGowan's father, and my friend David Franson's both his parents were murdered in hospital that way as bad as it was i think it could have been a lot worse based on the fact that they used a coronavirus i want to talk more about this movie you've done and how important it is for people not only to see it themselves but to share it with all their friends and family you're listening to the reckoning on tnt radio
4: i'm cal fire battalion chief isaac sanchez and normally we like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourselves and your family safe during wildfires But given the historic impacts that the weather has had on our state this year, we would like to provide you with tips on how to keep yourself safe during extreme weather. If you reside in an area susceptible to flooding, please take the necessary steps to prepare to evacuate if advised. Make sure you've identified at least two exit routes out of your neighborhood, as one of them may be blocked or flooded. As the weather develops, remember to check in on vulnerable neighbors and family members. They may need additional time to prepare for evacuation. And just like during a wildfire, if you feel unsafe, please evacuate. You don't have to wait for the order to come. Keep an emergency go bag ready in case you need to evacuate. And always remember to plan for the safety of your pets as well. If you must leave, never drive around roadblocks. It can take as little as 12 inches of water to sweep your vehicle away. And always remember the mantra, turn around, don't drown. Be aware of first responders working in highly impacted areas, especially on the roads. For additional safety tips and updates on CAL FIRE activities, Follow us on social media, or visit fire.ca.gov.
2: She used to dance and dream of a better life, a brighter future. Today, thanks to Children International and friends like you, she dances for the world. Together, we give children in poverty a chance to set their sights high and achieve their dreams. Learn more about Children International and join us in our life-changing work at children.org today.
0: You're listening to The Reckoning with Timothy Shea on today's News Talk, TNT Radio.
1: Megan, I love the title of your new documentary, A New Standard of Care, and folks can check out a anewstandardofcare.com for more information on the movie. I have a friend who was just put through hell on a breast cancer journey that wasn't, over $100,000 in bills in total, because she had had breast cancer years ago. And when she went for her annual screening, this really ties both of your movies together, because when she went for her annual screening a year ago, they noticed a a suspicious mass. They said, it might be a milk cyst, but it might be something more. We wanna do a needle biopsy just to be sure. And she said, okay and allowed the needle biopsy and sure enough it turned out to be a milk cyst not a problem but then they came back and they said but you know on the way to the site that turned out to be a milk cyst we saw some cells that looked suspicious and we want to do a biopsy of that tissue just to make sure preying on her fear right i pleaded with her and begged her not to do it and she said well they said they're only going to take out one centimeter by one centimeter chunk. And I said, that's still a huge amount of tissue. And of course they lied. They took out two and a half by four centimeters, which is an inch by an inch and a half for people that aren't familiar with the metric system. And then they didn't read her chart, which says all over it that she's allergic to synthetic everything. And they not only used synthetic Bondo, they, they used artificial sutures, which led to her not healing and and having a nightmare downstream experience basically she had an open wound for over six months they wouldn't help her heal it she finally had to go to another hospital to get the treatment in short it was 10 months of pure hell that was caused for no reason because when they did biopsy that tissue oh yeah all cells are clear but she was put through hell and incurred over a hundred thousand dollars in medical expenses and she's suing them to not only for what they did to her, but to, to pay those expenses. It's a real crime because we've been instilled with the idea that cancer is a death sentence. It's called the big C. Everybody is just devastated once they learn there's a diagnosis. And it doesn't need to be that way, does it?
2: No, they do use fear tactics to rope people in and get them down, marching down in um, the standard of care um they did that to my husband um he had stage four cancer and he wanted to go on one more vacation before he started chemo for about two weeks and the doctor said no 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 you have to start chemo right now they did five uh, five um a cocktail of five chemos one was platinum which is very destructive and after the second cocktail he was he had passed away and there was no reason they had to rush him into chemo but i had a medical oncologist on my fi- in my film explain that they do that on purpose you know, it's all about making money. Chemo's where the money is. Vaccines and chemo, that's where pharma makes their money. And they just, they're going to rope you in as fast as they can. So you don't go and look at Mexico or other alternatives or go to a different oncologist or get a second opinion, whatever. So it's really a fear tactics. It, it, it's terrible what they're doing. I it have is. a lot I of
1: saw them. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw them turn my 13-year-old brother, who now health, happily is healthy and, and a grandfather- But at 13, they turned him into a 90-year-old man. He couldn't walk. His skin was all ashy and and, and literally just flaking off. He had no hair. They used poisons like vincristin and other medicines that they couldn't even, they had to uh, make sure that the needle didn't leak because the blood vessels could withstand the chemical onslaught, but our, our dermis, our skin couldn't. And it would actually act like battery acid around the insertion site. If any leaked out, it was just horrible to see. And nobody talked about high dose IV vitamin C, which is one of the most effective therapies for a lot of cancers. What are some of the other therapies that you investigate in this new movie that have not just promising results, but proven results that insurance companies won't insure and doctors won't employ?
2: So my film is uh, three, three acts. The first one talks about the standard of care today. The second act is about the alternative cancer therapies and the clinics around the world that I found that were the most promising. And the third one talks about why these are not being used today. Um, the corruption in medicine, basically. Mm-hmm. And so uh, Dr. Brzezinski, like I said, down in Houston, Texas, anti-neoplastins, that can be a silver bullet for some cancers. The Rife machine can be a silver bullet for cancers, I think, if used correctly, mostly carcinomas. Um, But there's also like, you know, that's what I said. It's a whole protocol. Those are the two that I found like were silver bullets. Otherwise, they're doing protocols of all these different things. And again, if you don't take care of your nutrition and detoxification you really and plus the psyche there's a psyche about why did sure. you get if plus you've had like a radiation high radiation load or something Um, it's a a lot of these doctors have found that it's some kind of psychological, you had a death in the family or something and created the stress, stress is terrible on the body if you undergo, and we just went through this pandemic. So we're all kind of stressed out. Yeah. Another problem. Um, yeah. So take, you gotta get the stress out of your life, which is hard to do these days, but it's very important for a cancer patient or any chronic disease. So
1: in another, it's even harder when you've got what they refer to as chemo brain. Which is the f- right. fuzzy cognitive functioning based on some of the chemotherapy, chemotherapeutic regimens. Stress is probably the number one cause of all disease states. Either uh, chemical stresses such as sugar, uh, hormonal stresses. If you're if you're stressed because of a life event, your body produces cortisol, which has a whole bunch of other downstream effects. And of, as you mentioned earlier, all the autoimmune uh, diseases are, including cancers are essentially uh, inflammation responses.
2: And I, co- I cover that all in this film. This is a really comprehensive film. Ty Bullinger did a great job going around and collecting all this information. That's how I was turned in, on into this. And um, so I put this film together so you could just have one place to go to so you'd have a real good overview of everything. Um, and it's about a four hour and 45 minute film. So people are breaking down into a couple sittings. But I'm. Get, it's getting great reviews. Um, it's very informative. I go into the medical literature. I do a deep dive, and I've got both conventional and non-conventional doctors talking about stuff. I interviewed the American Cancer Society, the National Cancer Institute, and I talked to NCI for about two hours. The poor guy wanted to leave. <laughs> uh-huh. um, yeah, and I. Sorry. A quick story I wanted to tell you, if you have just a minute. The reason oh, yeah. I I got, I got hooked into this, my husband, like I said. Um, went to an oncologist and we had just heard about um, kickbacks for chemo. I don't know if you know about this. It's a middleman fee that they're able to take a charge an up cost on the chemos and oncologists were making millions of dollars on this. So somebody in the room at the time, I won't say who asked the oncologist, what's this about kickbacks for chemo? And the doctor closed the door and said, here's what's going on. Sometimes I have to give a patient three chemos instead of two, or I won't make money. And Alex Berenson did report some reporting on this in the New York Times, and he mm-hmm. said he had to make, once they got rid of the kickback for chemos, for the most part, the oncologist had to figure out how to do other therapies or additional therapies. And I think this is what he was alluding to. I haven't talked to him to find out, but, I, you know, all the oncologists I talked to, like American Cancer Society said, yeah, some people don't have ethics. I'm like, ethics? I mean, that's basically putting people in the grave faster than they have to go. Yeah. So um, at (laughs) the
1: very least, at the very least, putting them through hell before they get the outcome that they would have had without so much hell.
2: Right. I don't know. I don't know how widespread that is, but I I wanted to get the word out. And that's in my that's in my film, too, at the very end of it. But so I'm giving you away the the final (laughs) climax
1: of the film. That's good info for people to have. And you're with the right people. Ty and Charlene Bollinger are friends, and they've just done amazing work. Uh, Alex Berenson, of course, as you mentioned, has been doing some phenomenal reporting. And uh, I'd like to talk a little bit about what got you into the documentary film business, especially two films which are different, but kind of go hand in hand.
2: Well, so I was diagnosed with late Lyme disease back in 2007, and Johns Hopkins said, you're incurable, you're you're going to have this and be hooked up to high-dose high IV antibiotics the rest of your life. And I said, no, I'm not. So I went out and I found the Rife machine, and I cured myself, which is hard to do. And um, from there, then my husband contracted cancer, and he used the Rife machine on his cancer, and it was actually helping. But he said, I can't, I don't know what this machine does, and I can't, I can't go there, Megan, I have to follow the white coat, and which is what he did. And it was a terrible... I couldn't convince him otherwise and so that stuck with me and plus that story about over chemoing people and i said i have to do something and so i had all the tools like i explained earlier and i just said you know what i'm going to grab a cameraman and we're going on the road so we we went to the eu and then all over the us and mexico and um i just put together what i thought were some of the top doctors and clinics and just kind of honed in they gave me patients to talk to so i have patient interviews also and I think, you know, the people I'm talking to that believe mostly in conventional, they're watching this film going, oh, my gosh, I had no idea. So it's a really informative film, I think. We're- and I think it's important for watching. physicians
1: to see it because doctors don't go into medicine to be evil. At least most of them don't. Right. And a lot of doctors, especially in, in the Demic, they believed what they were being told by they're certifying boards they believed what they were being told by the ama they believed what they were being told by fda and cdc and a lot of them now not all of them not even a majority unfortunately but a lot of them realize that they've been lied to all along which has spurred them to start doing their own research and realizing the the real scam that a lot of institutionalized corporate medicine has become
2: right their associations they were relying on their associations to tell them what to do and they're just being fed you know, a bunch of baloney. So I'm glad to know that the doctors are finally waking up because they do need to do their own research. And if, they don't have time, I know they're busy, but they're just gonna have to make time. It's just otherwise they are ta- telling the patient the wrong thing. Yeah, and I lay a
1: lot of th- this blame at the feet of Obamacare, okay? It was Obamacare that brought us electronic health records and now it's basically turned doctors from, Practicing the art of medicine into practicing following an insurance company dictated algorithm. Well, and that's become the standard of care. And that's the problem. Insurance companies shouldn't be establishing what the standard of care is because now doctors won't deviate from that flowchart that they're given by the insurance company, the diagnostic flowchart and therapeutic flowchart, because if they step outside of that, if they consider high dose IV vitamin C, now they're open up to a malpractice case, and their insurance won't cover it because they stepped outside the standard of care. It really is a vicious cycle, and it's been—it's a system created solely to increase the amount of dollars spent on healthcare in this country.
2: And I've talked—I talk about that in my film too. You're touching upon everything that is in my film: um, liability and the fact that our basically the standard of care is set by insurance, like you said, Medicare. So the government. And then the, the private insurance companies do, you know, mimic what they're they're covering. And then from there, the medical establishments, the academia might research to support it. I mean, it's kind of it's all backwards. It should be research and build from there and what people see in clinics. And it's going exactly opposite. It's going insurance companies down, which is wrong.
1: It is wrong, and it gives lie to the entire expression "evidence-based medicine." Oh well, we are we practice evidence-based medicine here? No, you don't. You're doing what the insurance company is telling you to
2: do. It, it, you're you're actually denying the evidence. Right, and it goes back to fifty percent. About fifty percent of the medical research is fraudulent. So right. you know, one one gentleman told me he's a a doctor. He said his med professor came in first day of med school and said. Look, 50% is fraudulent. Problem is we don't know which which 50%. So good luck.
1: <laughs> right? And and it's not just random journals we're talking about. We're talking about the mainstream scientific journals. We're talking about the American Medical Association Journal. We're talking JAMA, Journal of the American Medical Association. We're talking about the New England Journal of Medicine. We're talking about the Lancet out of the United Kingdom. These are th- These are the New York Yankees of the scientific world and now we're finding out that half the stuff in them is bogus. It's it's shocking to say the least.
2: It is shocking. And I I'm not sure how they're ever gonna unravel this mess. It's just there's too much money involved. This revolving door between academia and big pharma and, and our government agencies. It's just it's a mess. And Congress, you know, they need to get off off their you know what's and get out there and pass some good regulations and
1: well what we need to do, we need to have legislation that is going to repeal the ability of Big Pharma to advertise on television and radio because a lot of the problems have arisen in the last 25, 30 years since they've been able to advertise. And I think a lot of the problems stem from that.
2: Amen. I, I totally agree with you there. And again, you know, they've got like four four lobbyists for every member of Congress in big medicine. Yeah. I mean, it. I just don't know how, how you turn this thing around. Well, one of the ways is for someone to see something and
1: do something, which is what you did. I think in our society, we idolize the wrong people. We idolize singers who haven't written their songs and whose voices are all being modified by auto-tune and computer anyway athletes oftentimes that take performance enhancing drugs to get their athletic performance you know lebron james who never went to high school but is a phenomenal basketball player but all of a sudden we're supposed to listen to his views on climate change i'm sorry i'm not taking my information on the global environment you know weather, from high school dropouts be they greta thunberg or lebron james or high school graduates it's not going to happen uh the real heroes i think in our society are people like you people who have been given god-given gifts that put them to use that worked hard did the put the work in to learn the knowledge and then saw something and did something you know we, we we say see something say something it's more important to do something than it is even to say something although you know saying something can be doing something if you're getting the word out but but you're getting the word out more effectively you're not just getting up and giving speeches You've actually gone out and put the work in to create two great movies that people really need to see. And I would strongly encourage people to go to a newstandardofcare.com and get the movie and share it with all your friends. Megan, I can't thank you enough for coming on. And really, I can't thank you enough for the work you're doing because you're saving lives that you'll never even know about.
2: Thank you, Timothy. I appreciate what you're doing as well.
1: Thank you. That's it for tonight's reckoning on tnt radio stay tuned for the Havorier moritz show until next time god bless you god bless these united states keep fighting the good fight